Welcome to Schneps Connects. This is your host, Josh Schneps. Um, as many of you have been tracking, I've been interviewing the candidates running for to be the next mayor of New York City. And I have one with us today. It's actually our first Republican that we've interviewed. There's two of them running in the primary, but I'm very happy to have with us Curtis Sliwa. Uh, many of you probably already know him. He really was a volunteer that rode the subways of New York to protect all the citizens of New York during some of the scariest times of this city, which many people don't even realize how unsafe New York City was at a period of time. Um, it really grew up into what is now the Guardian Angels that residents of the Big Apple have really come to know and love. With their distinctive red berets that Curtis uh, wears to this day, there is New York as Central Park. These days, the Guardian Angels have chapters in 13 countries and over 100 cities. Curtis's career has really been focused on making a positive change in the community by involving members of the community to take uh, really a step forward and take an active role. So Curtis, I'm really thrilled to have you with uh, me today. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, Josh, it's a historic day in this election because you mentioned I am one of two Republican candidates and it'll be sorted out June 22nd because we don't have ranked choice voting since there's only two. But today I'm filing petitions for two separate independent lines. One line independent. So if people don't want to vote for a Republican in the general, they can vote for me on that. But a historic day. We now will be filing the first ever animal welfare line with one issue, one issue alone. No kill shelters. Because when I become mayor, never again are we going to kill those dogs or cats or other animals that are in the shelter system that we spend millions of dollars to kill. And by the way, Los Angeles has no kill shelters now, Austin. It's time. It's time. I have 15 rescue cats that we raise in a 325 square foot apartment, a studio with one turlet. And you can imagine I and my wife, we have to change the litter like three times a day. I get a double hernia every few days. But see, I don't just you better not have allergies. <laughs> yeah, I don't just uh, do as I say. It's do as I do. We really love animals. They're like our friends, our family members. And it, it almost leads into a society that treats its animals, its friends poorly, also treats its emotionally disturbed and its homeless uh, people poorly. And you can see the results of that all over the city. Well, listen, it's a great cause, but it's also smart because I'll tell you, a lot of people that love their pets, they love them more than anybody else. So well, you, you get a good following there. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, let's face it, Josh. How many times you come home, you might be dealing with your husband, your wife, uh, your parents, your nieces, your nephews, your aunts, your uncles, your relatives, your neighbors, your co-workers. And you'd much rather deal with your friends, your family members, the dogs and the cats, because they don't give you any agenda. They don't yeah, give you any your love, no matter what. Exactly. And I don't know if you remember, but we first met. And maybe 15 years ago in the News Corp office of Paul Carlucci. And, you know, I was really fascinated by you because of obviously what you've done throughout your entire life and really the momentum that you built around a very basic part of uh, everyone's lifestyle, which is safety. Um, but also, you know, you're an amazing storyteller. I mean, listen, you, you, you survived a hit job in the back of a New York City taxi cab who could be more intrigued than a story like that? But I would really love you to just share a little bit about your background for, for those that uh, may not understand really your history in this city. Well, Josh, I grew up in a blue collar working class family. 
My father, a merchant seaman, Chester of Polish uh, heritage. My mother, Francesca uh, of Bade. She's Bade's from that part of Italy that's right along the Adriatic coast. And what they developed into me and my two sisters was a concept that it's us and we, not I and me. Uh, where there's a will, there's a way. And also, don't always think about benefiting yourself. Do good things, and good things will happen to you. Don't ask when, why, or how, but it'll happen. And at 67, I think I'm an example of that. As you mentioned, I was shot five times with hollow point bullets on the orders of John Gotti Sr., the John Gotti Jr., and the Gambino crime family. I survived that. I had stage four prostate cancer. Most recently, I had colitis, ileitis, chronic Crohn's disease from the gunshots. I survived that. So there are many things that I can be grateful for, but probably the best thing I can be grateful for is the service that I provided to New York City with the Guardian Angels in 42 years and the response that we get from all kinds of people, Black, White, Hispanic, Asian, who don't look at my politics but understand that I've been there for communities when they've been in need. And that's all based on how I was raised by my father and mother in Canarsie, Brooklyn. Well, let's talk about public safety. I mean, the one thing that I have to say as a New Yorker is, you know, th there's a couple of things that we all care about, right? One is the health of us and our family. The other is having a roof over our head. And the other is being able to feed our family. Th those are kind of like, obviously, the most critical. But I think right after that comes safety. I want to know if I'm walking my kids to school and I don't have to look behind my back or, you know, pull them a different direction and have to be concerned with uh, in broad daylight what's happening. And, and I really have to say that a lot of people running for office now have been, I don't want to say scared, but have been tentative to speak on behalf of the NYPD, because there's a big been a big movement to defund the police. And to your credit, you've been talking, I think, and beating the drum from the very beginning, even before, you know, a lot of these hate crimes have been hitting the city. You've been beating the drum. Let's support our police, support our police, support our police. So talk to me about your stance and just your overall, you know, feeling on public safety, right? Because you've experienced it yourself and what people should think about, but also your stance on the NYPD. You know, interesting. How's that defund the police working out? Shootings up 200 percent, murders up 50 percent. People afraid of the subways, walking in the streets, going into parks. How's that working out, Josh? And I noticed some of the Democratic candidates have departed from where they were on this issue last summer when they all defund the police. They wanted to even take more money out of their budget. Now, some of them, like Eric Adams and Yang, are saying, yeah, maybe we ought to refund the police. They've had an epiphany. But you're right, Josh. I've been very consistent because unlike the others who are running for office, my credibility is in the streets. You may have remembered last June 1st, June 2nd, the city was abandoned by Mayor Bill de Blasio, who has taken a wrecking ball and destroyed everything we love about this city. But the worst thing he did was order the police to stand down. When all of a sudden the demonstrations by Black Lives Matter and Antifa started to develop into looting and in some instances shooting, the cops were told, stand down. The only ones who ventured into Midtown and Soho was myself with the Guardian Angels. And we said, no, you're not gonna vandalize property. You're not gonna steal product because history tells us when you do that, you then attack the people. It's the three P 
principal. And as a result of that, I had my jaw broken. Other guardian angels were seriously injured. But I'm happy to tell you, Josh, we didn't surrender. We didn't retreat. And because of what we did, many other neighborhoods started to galvanize, started to organize so that they would not allow the rioters, the violators, the looters and shooters to come rampaging through their neighborhoods. That's what you got to do to turn things around is mobilize people because clearly the police have been rendered impotent. They have now no bail. How's that working out, Josh? Time and time again, we see violent predicate offenders who normally would have been remanded to jail, no bail, turn loose into the streets to do it again. Even for hate crimes, you could commit a hate crime as we saw up in Riverdale where this clearly emotionally disturbed person was breaking the windows in the shoes in synagogues. He was so brazen, he came back a second, I did it again. Finally, he's arrested. He lives in the neighborhood of Riverdale. He's given a desk appearance ticket, what I call a disappearance ticket. So the Jewish community there, many of whom are Orthodox, ultra-Orthodox, they go to their shul synagogues three times a day to pray, have to be looking over their back, wondering if this, this neighbor of theirs who has attacked Jews and Jewish institutions might be attacking them. This is crazy. And then you get AOC, all out crazy. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez saying, forget a billion dollars taking out of the police budget. We want to take $3 billion. And as a result of that, there's all kinds of problems. This city is sliding into the abyss. So I'm going to take on the Democratic Socialists of America, the Justice Warriors, because they're leading us in a situation that reminds me of the 1970s, 80s, and early 90s, when I first developed the Guardian Angels. That's why I mobilized the Guardian Angels, because nothing was being done. We were surrendering, we were retreating. A million people left New York City in the 70s alone. You saw 300,000 leave the city over this past summer, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna stem that by providing public safety in the subways, the streets, the parks, the schools, by empowering the police to go in and do their jobs. I got their back, but if they cross the line and violate somebody's civil rights, I'll be their worst nightmare. Well, let's talk a little bit just about defund the police, because I think it's really a slogan, right? More than really the, the aspect of let's get rid of the, the NYPD budget. I mean, I think there are instances where the NYPD probably is not best trained or equipped to deal with, let's say, the mentally ill. I mean, what's your thoughts in terms of the structure of the NYPD or, or you know, how it could be structured better? I mean, do you agree that it could be structured better or there could be, you know, other branches that should handle certain things? Well, you know, we talk about reforming the police, but what about City Hall? Look at that bogus program that was started by Mayor de Blasio and his wife, Thrive, supposedly to deal with the emotionally disturbed people. One and a quarter billion dollars spent over five years. I haven't seen any results. People are always asking, what happened to the money? The Democrats, many of them who are running for mayor now, they may have insinuated that the program wasn't working, but they never used subpoena power to look at the books, Scott Stringer, the controller could have done that. The city council could have done that. Tish James could have done that, the attorney general, but they protected the de Blasio's. And now that we move into a new year, you know what de Blasio has done? He realizes Thrive is not delivered. It's been a ripoff to the taxpayers and most importantly, has left the emotionally disturbed persons without any services, without any help in the streets, the parks and the subways. He's renamed it 
housed it in City Hall, and he's given them $225 million more million to do nothing. So when we talk about reform of the police, hey, it ain't just the police. It starts in City Hall. It starts in the city council with the police. If they want mental health experts to accompany police when they're an emotionally disturbed person call, a 911 call, not a problem. I don't have a problem, but you have to have both. Just like if you were sick, Josh, and you were on a subway, the rules of the MTA are the entire train gets discharged. The EMTs come. Sometimes the fire department comes because you're physically sick. And everyone has to understand that is a priority. We don't do that for the emotionally disturbed and those who are mentally sick. When I'm mayor, we're going to physically remove them from the subways, the streets, and the parks. We're going to get them into mental health facilities. We're going to get them their medicine. We're going to stabilize them. And you see, that's what compassionate people do. These progressives and liberals claim to be passionate. How can they let an emotionally disturbed person who at times has the mind of a child who's defecating and wallowing in their own urine stay there? What is there? First Amendment right to be able to stay on a subway in a park in a street and just slowly kill themselves? They're a danger to themselves as proven they're a danger to others in society. And I'm going to stop that by helping them compassionately get to where they need to be and keeping everybody safe from them when they have their psychotic disorders. Again, you want mental health experts assigned to a precinct to co-join with the police who are responding because you need the backup, especially when things get out of control. And I've been in many of those situations as leader of the Guardian Angels. I have no problem with that. That's why you have the EMT that's housed with the fire department. Sometimes they both respond. No problem. De Blasio promised that a year and a half ago. He's done nothing, Josh, nothing about that. Let's talk about the economy. I mean, a lot of small businesses suffered through the pandemic. You know, there's obviously been federal relief and, and other instances of help. God willing, the economy is opening back up. But what would be, you know, your role or your vision for improving the economy and helping small business in New York City? Well, you know, Josh, it all starts with public safety. If you don't have public safety, small businesses, mid-sized businesses, the big businesses are not going to ever get back to where they were before the lockdown. So it starts with public safety. But there are a lot of empty commercial spots in which men and women who have been in business for years have walked away. They've been lured to Florida or Tennessee or Texas or North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia. They're out of here or they're out in Suffolk County or they're up in Connecticut, or they're in New Jersey, they're not coming back. I'm going to try to lure them back. I'm going to try to tell them that we welcome them back, unlike de Blasio has said, make sure the door doesn't hit you on the way out. What an ingrate. But anyway, I have a right to business program because this is capitalism. I'm sitting right outside the Board of Elections where the famous bull of Wall Street is, and there are the few tourists that are here are taking pictures most recognize that's the symbol of capitalism. The epicenter of capitalism in the world is New York City. It's not socialism. It's not communism. So I want men and women who always dreamed of getting into business to have the right to get into business. And with all this commercial space, most of it can't be repurposed into residential housing, affordable housing. What you do is you say to the new entrepreneur, that man or woman, guess what? We're going to give you an easy pass all these fees and fines and permits and licenses that take forever and ever. We're going to cut through all that red tape. 
we're going to assign a mentor to you, probably a retiree, a man or a woman who no longer has a business but knows how to run businesses to guide you through those first initial stages. And we're going to make available to you micro loans. Hey, look, in 2008, when the big boys on Wall Street almost imploded the entire world's economy, we gave them free money. You know, we said, oh, well, you know, they're too big to fail. Well, in this case, they're too small to fail. We got to help them every way we can because most people are employed by small businesses. That is the vital economic engine for people to be able to earn a living and provide for themselves and their own families, pay their taxes, and be able to exist. Talk about your property tax reform plan. Well, when I say refund the police, put back a billion dollars, I also say and hire 3,000 additional police officers, which would give us 38,000, which is what Rudy Giuliani had when he was elected mayor in 93. At that point, David Dinkins co-joined together with the speaker of the city council, Peter Malone, and they came up with safe streets, safe city. I'm not inventing something new. That was a dedicated tax that allowed them to specifically use it to hire police and train police. And that's why Rudy had 38,000 when he took over and was able to get the city back from the brink of 2,200 murders, shootings, mayhem, rapes, robberies, slashings, sort of what we're going through now as we move in that direction. I'm going to have a dedicated property tax against Madison Square Garden, who pays no property tax. How's that? NYU and Columbia, who sit on endowments, billions of dollars. Columbia, $11 billion. NYU, $5 billion. They pay no property taxes. And yet, like Pac-Man and Pac-Woman, they're buying up property all throughout Morningside Heights and Greenwich Village, taking it off the property tax rolls. Then you have Rockefeller Medical. You have Cornell Medical. They're not paying property taxes. All of that property tax that the city controls can be dedicated to the hiring and training of police officers to supplement what we have, and most importantly, put the billion dollars that de Blasio and the city council took out of the budget. It needs to be restored. That's the only way we're going to be able to get New York City back on track through public safety, through property tax. And then for those senior citizens, 65 plus, and I happen to be one of them, I'm 67. If you're 65 plus, earn $75,000 or yet, uh, less and own a home of your own, I'm not charging you any property tax. Zero. Why? Because if senior citizens continue to exit our five boroughs as they are massively, then you're going to see all of a sudden a, a further deterioration of not just properties and potential abandonment, but the dream in New York City has been for generations, if you wanted to, you could turn over your home to your children or children's children, and they could live there. That no longer seems to be the dream. The dream seems to be, let's pack our bags and get the hell out of here as quickly as we can. And I want to keep the seniors right here. And to all people paying property tax, because property tax pays 50% of this bloated $99 billion that de Blasio has added to, putting us $3 billion in debt, I want to cap. That means no further property tax increases for two years. Let everything settle itself according to market forces, capitalism, too much supply, not enough demand. It's got to equalize itself out. Let's talk about education, Department of Education. They just announced everybody's going back to school next year. There'll be no remote learning. What changes would you want to implement as mayor of the Department of Education? Ah, finally, 
The DOE, you know what the acronym stands for, Josh? Dumbest organization ever. Uh, was a dollar short and a day late for our kids. Now, I happen to have three sons, Anthony, who's in high school, Carter, who's in junior high school, and Hunter, who's in public school, elementary school, all of them in public schools. This past year and a half has been a disaster. You know, when they're at home, they got the laptops, and they're taken care of better than a lot of other kids, kids who are in poor and impoverished areas. How many times did they end up flipping the script on the teacher, doing the virtual training from their homes, and instead... They were clicking in a Fortnite and Roblox. Come on. I want to red shirt all the children. I want to leave them all back, push the clock back, give everyone an opportunity to restart the clock because they've been deprived of an education. The teachers in the public school system and the teachers in the charter school system did not go for in-classroom training. It was all virtual almost all the time. I have to give props to the parochial schools, the religious schools, because they not only had in-classroom training, but they, they prospered. And because they worked so hard to show that children are not the most vulnerable when it comes to um, having COVID-19 and then obviously passing it on to others, I wanna try to get uh, for the parents or guardians who send their children to parochial schools, some vouchers, some tuition tax credits, so that all these parents and guardians have choice. And then the big issue for me is vocational training. All three of those categories, public school, charter schools, parochial schools, they seem to have this focus on academic excellence. You know, you got to do well, five regions. Oh, I only had three. And it was difficult enough. What happened to all the needs to prepare young men and women for the job market, which needs more carpenters, electricians, plumbers? You know, the one third of the people who get hired at Google only have a high school diploma. Where did they learn skills to computer program? It wasn't in their schools. It was in the professional schools that they got Pell Grants for, the federal system that we pay for to learn a skill. Now, if we have an audience, right, it's right there in the school system, junior high school, high school. We've got to push a lot of these young people towards vocational training. And what about home health care aides? You know, pretty soon I'm going to be stung God laying in a bed and somebody's going to have to change my bedpan <laughs> and deal with my physical and mental and emotional needs. We need a more highly proficient health care aid trained so that they're going to be able to deal with people who are going to be like me soon in their 80s or 90s. We don't want to hospitalize them, and God forbid we send them to long-term care senior citizen uh, units so that people like Cuomo can make idiotic decisions that actually take their lives. No, no. I'd much rather have them at home with home care, but we need more proficient health care aides that are trained in our school system because there's a tremendous demand for that. You know, you've never been an elected official. What would you say would be your greatest strength? as well as your greatest weakness as an elected official and, and the largest uh, city in the world uh, as mayor of New York City? Well, the best thing about not being an elected official, I've never been wine-dined in pocket line like they have. Come on. Hey, Josh, this is all about <laughs> money. You know, you have the CFB there saying, okay, we're going to keep big money out of this mayoral race and city council races. Look at all these PACs that have been formed by charter schools, the UFT, Soros, and that's just a few. I thought the whole idea of the CFB was you get small contributions, they give you an eight to one match, which is unbelievable. If I was shooting craps in Atlantic City or CeeLo on the streets of New York, you wouldn't get an eight to one return. 
you wouldn't get an eight to one return on investments of Wall Street. Yet for one dollar, you're going to give me eight dollars of the taxpayer's money and allow me to accept money from all these PACs, millions and millions of dollars. And I'm sure these PACs are supporting men and women that they're ideologically comfortable with. What are you, crazy? I'm a New Yorker. I know what this means. They want access. They want influence. When they call City Hall, if they happen to get elected mayor, that call is going to be answered. They're going to be given due diligence. The rest of us, we're going to get bupkis or bars. And the first thing I'm going to do when I'm in City Hall, put up a big sign. Lobbyists, beware, because I'm going to kick your ass if you come into City Hall trying to shake down the elected officials who should be serving the people and not the lobbyists. That's why being a non-elected official is beneficial. Now, the detriment is I don't pretend to understand all the nuances about how government runs. I'm not omnipotent. I'm not pretentious like Cuomo and de Blasio. Hey, they're professionals, right? What kind of job have they been doing? I'm just with all the professionals surrounding them. I'm going to fill up rooms with men and women who are more proficient than I in some of these areas. And all I'm going to say is, ladies and gentlemen, most of you are Democrats because this is a democratic city. You're going to have to tell me how we can do more with less because Bill de Blasio has saddled us with a $3 billion debt and there's no more stimulus money coming from the House, the Senate or President Joe Biden or Vice President Harris. We're going to have to survive on our own. And de Blasio, what a what a shanda he's done by strapping us with a $3 billion debt, even though he got gazillions of dollars in stimulus money. And nobody's calling him out for that. At least none of the Democrats running for uh, mayoral office. But I call him out each and every day because he has single-handedly destroyed the city. Well, Curtis, win, lose, or draw, I personally want to thank you for everything you've done for this city. And your love and passion for this city certainly comes through every time I talk to you. And, you know, you've been doing it for a long time. And I am most grateful for your time on the show. Well, I'll tell you another thing. We've always been problem uh, promised toilets, lavatories in the streets, like European cities have, right? And our politicians, they are so greedy. They were trying to shake down those people who are providing us what they call street furniture, because that's what they would have been. How come as a civilized society, you can't find a bathroom? And I'm not just talking about the homeless and emotionally disturbed persons who desperately need it because they have nowhere to go. What about like me, when I had colitis, ileitis, when I had prostate cancer? You have a need to go. Starbucks won't even let you into their public lavatories any longer. That is a that is a civilized society. And yet I haven't heard any of the mayoral candidates talk about that. That's something that is a passion to me, because guess what? I'm out in the streets. I'm busting my shoes. I'm the only candidate riding the subways every day. So I understand the needs of New Yorkers, unlike them who are up in the suites and not in the streets. Like I tell my kids, when you got to go, you got to go. <laughs> right. So I tell you what, oh, you got to go, Josh. So if anybody out there wants further information on my campaign for mayor, go to Curtis Sliwa for mayor.com. That's Curtis Sliwa for mayor.com. Hey, if you can make a contribution to me, I was the last candidate to announce on March 15th. So I got a lot of moolah schmoolah to, to try to collect, to match up with the Democrats in the general election. Well, Curtis, thank you so much. Make sure to subscribe to Schneps Connect wherever you get your podcasts or stream us online at podcast.schnepsmedia.com. <laughs>